Ephesians chapter 4, that he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints so that the saints can do the work of the ministry, which will edify and build up the body of Christ. Linked up church, I want you to give your best praise, your best applause for the ministry gift of Dr. Bill Winston. Praise the Lord, saints. Oh, I'm glad to be here. Linked up. I'm, I'm hooked up with linked up. <laughs> Amen. Well, I, I just want to say how glad I am to be here with Pastor Joel and the First Lady and all of those here at the church. Um, <clears throat> every time I come through here, I feel good. So God must be here at this church. Amen. Let's lift your hands while you're standing. Father, we do come before you today. Thank you so much for this opportunity to speak to your people. Thank you for the anointing that's here in the house and that's upon me in these lips of clay. That I do speak this word with excellence, accuracy, and boldness. Asking you to think through my mind, speak to my lips, and this word shall come forth. Unhindered, unchecked by any outside force. And now, Lord, we give you the praise because you alone are worthy to be praised. In Jesus' name, can you shout amen? amen. Take your seats, please. Hello. <clears throat> All right, praise God. You're calling some stuff out here. Well, whether you like it or not, you got a new president. Now, let, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me say something about this, body of Christ. Now, I don't know what side you're on, and I'm not being political right now. But I do know this, one, is that the Bible says over in Timothy, first of all, that we are to pray for those in authority. Didn't it say that? All right. So you, we are to pray for those in authority. Now the next thing is not for us to be so tied up in this government. We have a whole new government. That's going to take over every government. Praise God. And, uh, and I'm saying that because I really believe that if we set our hearts to it, <clears throat> that, <clears throat> you know, I don't know what's happening, uh, except that I believe God is, is in some of this. And uh, what, what happened to me, God lately said to me, the drought is over. <laughs> you know. So, so I'm, I'm just saying, take that for what it's worth. And, but please, you know, don't start bad mouthing people. And, but you pray for those in authority. Say, I'm, I'm not sure what side you're on. Now, here, here's, here's the way I do it. This is the way 
you can really just allow God to speak to you concerning things of politics and whatever. Get off the dependency on the system. Okay. You, you got to get off that dependency on the system because as long as you depend on that system, then that system, everything going to be cloudy. I mean, and you won't know what to do. You're, you're wondering whether you heard God here. Get off the system and everything will clear up for you. You, you follow what I'm saying? Well, we got to go and do several things tonight um, in, in several places in the book, in the Bible. But I want you to turn to First Corinthians. And uh, I'm just trying to see where I want to start here. Um, <clears throat> let's go to Colossians first. In Colossians chapter... One. <clears throat> Colossians chapter one. Okay, um, I'll start reading here at verse twenty-five. Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is this, the, the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. <clears throat> what is Christ? <clears throat> Some people think it's Jesus' last name. It's not. Christ is the, means the anointed one and his anointing. Christ. Now that's very significant because the anointing of God is the most powerful force in the universe. The anointing. And the Apostle Paul is talking here about Christ. In you, the hope of glory. So this power is in you. Now I'm going to take my time tonight, so just just call home and tell them to take the chicken out of the oven because you... (laughs) So this is a mystery, he said. What is a mystery? A mystery... Ascribed in the Bible is something that's beyond human comprehension. Can't get it with the mind. Have to receive it by faith in your spirit. 
And then pretty soon it's illumined to the mind. But this is what Paul talked about. Christ in you. Now let's go over to Philippians. In Philippians chapter 4. And you know the scripture very well. It's verse 13. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And I think it's a trick of the devil to try to do what God has called you and purpose for you to do without Christ. It's a trick. So this is an anointing. An anointing that as you can see back in the scriptures this same anointing was something that David described over and we go over there over in Psalms chapter 92 in Psalms chapter 92 and verse 10 he says but my horn shall thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn I shall be anointed with what? Fresh oil. Fresh oil. Now this, this is important. <coughs> Excuse me. This is important. Because I'm going to talk about the latter day anointing. The latter rain, as you might call it. When you're talking about rain, you talk about the anointing. I, we landed in Fiji today. And I mean today. We landed in Fiji some time ago. Fiji is on the other side of the earth, folks. It's, it's, it's down, under, under, under. And, um, and when we landed there, it started raining just before we landed. And the lady uh, who first met us, well, the, that group of people met us, but the lady who was taking me on back to, to be presented to the people who are the dignitaries, she said, whenever someone comes in like this and it rains, it means that it's from God. And this is an, a person of authority. And if you listen to the inauguration today, you heard what uh, uh, Reverend Graham said about the rain. But this rain is very symbolic. And when I said that God spoke to me and said the drought is over. See, you know when a drought is there, nothing grows. But when the rains come, things change. So he said, first, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And he said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And David says here, I'm anointed with fresh oil, symbolizing again this anointing. If you look over in 2 Corinthians in chapter 5, and 2 Corinthians chapter 5 starting 
at verse 14, he says this. He says, For the love of Christ constraineth us. Constraineth us. The love of Christ holds us back. See, if I, if I have a love for that anointing, it's going to hold me back from going off on you. You got what I'm saying? Because when I lose my temper, then that anointing begins to cease. And the very power that God gave you to operate in, the enemy has just snatched by having you go off on your cousin. And, and I'm saying, not to give me that example, because for you to do God's work, you need God's ability. All right, so let's just look at some places that he talked about this. And let's go over to the book of Zechariah. The book of Zechariah. <clears throat> I didn't, I'm, I'm just kind of being led by the Spirit here because I just, I just feel that God is about to do something big in this church. Okay. In Zechariah, in chapter 4, and I'll just read one scripture. Well, maybe it's a couple. Verse 6. Then he answered me and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel is a type of Christ. Saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. One man said, Not by army, or by human effort, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, what spirit is he talking about? The, the Holy Spirit, the anointing. Look what he says next. Verse 7. Who art thou, O great mountain, before Zubarubal? Thou shalt become a plain, and he shall bring forth the headstone thereof, with shoutings, crying, Grace, grace to it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, the hands of the Rubabal have laid the foundation of this house, and his hands shall do what? Finish it. And thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts has sent me unto you. <clears throat> so God does not plan for you to do his work with your ability. Not by might. Nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. That's wonderful, isn't it? <clears throat> okay. So what are we trying to do now? We're trying to get you to understand that for you to come into the kingdom and do God's work fulfilling your purpose, you need God's power. All right, let's just look at Jesus and what happened to him. Now, over in Matthew, let's see if it's in Matthew. 
Praise God. I'm just like I say, I'm just kind of following the Holy Ghost here. Over in Matthew's gospel, I think it describes it where Jesus now <clears throat> is, uh, is being baptized. Well, I think it's better over in Luke. But anyway, let me describe it to you. So Jesus comes and John the the Baptist is baptizing people and Jesus comes to be baptized. He said, wait, wait, wait a minute. By the spirit, I know who you are. You should be baptizing me. He said, no, no, let, let let, let everything that's written, let's go by the plan of God. So he gets baptized. So when he comes up out of the water, the Bible says that the spirit of God Descended upon him like a what? Like a dove. The Spirit of God is that Holy Spirit and the anointing coming on him. So notice, he just didn't get water. There was something else after water that he had to get. And so he had to get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. See? Why? Because he had to be empowered to do what God called him to do. Now look what he said in Luke, Luke chapter 4. How are we doing so far? Doing okay? And Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. The spirit of the Lord, pardon me, verse 17. Let's do that. And there was delivered unto him the book, the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened a book, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath what? Anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it again to the minister, and he sat down, and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Notice, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath what? Anointed me. To do what? Preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To preach deliverance to the captives. Recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty them that are bruised. And to preach the year of jubilee. That your debts have been canceled. Then he closed the book and sat down. Now we're going to open the book again in a few minutes. But first, let's talk about the anointing. Because where you are now, I can almost guarantee, is not where you should be. You should be famous for what you do by now. You should have, for as long as you've worked in this, that job that you are right now, you should be richer than you are right now. Now, I'm not talking against you. I'm about to tell you how you can make up some lost time. Say amen. Now, now, you know you're supposed to be famous. 
Now you know that. Now how, how do I know that? Bill Winston, why are you just saying that? I'm saying it because it's true. If I go over here to Genesis chapter 12, here's what he says. He says this, and starting at verse 1. And now the Lord said to Abram, get out of thy country from thy kindred from thy father's house into a land that I will show you. Now what am I doing first? I'm pulling you out of your comfort zone. Why? Because if I leave you in there, you're going to try to do it out of your own strength. But if I pull you out of there, you know you can't do it. So you have to lean on Jesus. Now that's a place a lot of people have gone. The reason why they have gone? Because they don't quite understand the anointing. Let's look at the next part. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I'll bless you and make your name great, and you'll be a blessing. I'd like to take that same scripture. I don't know. Does this board have scripture on it? No, 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 no. no. Oh, it's over where? Oh, it's a... <laughs> okay. That needs to be look up church. Okay. Okay. All right, let's, let's, let's put that same scripture up there in the Amplified Translation. Now, remember, when God is speaking to Abraham, he's speaking to you. That's saying you under the covenant of Abraham. Remember, Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, curses everyone that hangeth on the tree. Why? So that the blessing of Abraham will come on the Gentiles. Same blessing he's got on Abraham, he's got on you. All right, look what it says. God created the great sea. Oh, wait, wait, wait. This is Genesis, please. Chapter 12 and verse 2. Yeah, in the Amplified, praise God. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 2. Glory to God. Hallelujah. All right. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you with abundant increase of favors and make your name, come on, famous and distinguished, come on, and you will be a blessing, dispensing good to others. Now, <clears throat> now you, you think about it. The word rich doesn't mean a thousand dollars, a million dollars, a billion dollars. It means an abundant supply. See, it refers to overflow. And he is saying here that not only he's going to bless you, but you're going to do what? Be a blessing. You're going to dispense goods to others. You're going to pay her tuition. You're going to so forth. But you can't do that if you broke. You got what I'm saying? Now, the enemy knows you should be at that place, but he's used spiritual forces to resist you, and he's used something called unbelief. Got it? He said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. No, no, no. You, but, you, 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 remember how long Jacob worked for Laban? He worked for, Laban had a daughter. And when Jacob saw her, what's her name, by the way? Rachel. And when he saw Rachel, the Barry White music began to play. <laughs> Whatever you want. But anyway, 
And now he made an agreement with, with, with uh, Rachel's father that he'd work how many years for Rachel? Seven years. Must have been some kind of woman, man. Seven years. And, and now, here's seven years, they get up, and now he's waiting on his bride-to-be. And, and the next thing he knows, the woman comes into the tent, and he wakes up in the next morning, oh! You know, you heard this big cry out of the tent. Laban, what have you done to me? Now, what did Laban do? He took the other daughter and pushed her in the tent. Now, this was a dark night. Pushed her in the tent. <laughs> and when, when he woke up that morning, he saw, you know, four sets of feet coming out from under the blanket. And this other set was bigger than his. So, no, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay. Okay. All right. Now, wait, wait a minute. Come on. Come on now. Don't get angry. That won't help you. Remember, you lose the anointing, you get angry. All right. Now, but my point to you is he, he pushed the other one. Look at some translations. It'll describe what she, she looked like. But, I mean, it, 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 no, no, it just said she's tender-eyed. Now, I don't know. I don't know. Read your Bible. So I'm saying, if you don't watch the devil, he'll push something off on you. <laughs> that is a counterfeit to what you're supposed to have. But anyway, so he worked for how many more years? Seven more years, and he got Rachel, all right? But he couldn't leave because Satan wouldn't let him accumulate anything. Satan working through Laban, of course. He wouldn't let him accumulate. He was a, he was a seed of Abraham. He was blessed of Abraham. He was in the Abrahamic line, but he couldn't get rich because there were spiritual forces that were keeping him. And the scriptures really give you an idea of what the spiritual forces are when they finally left Laban and Rachel took one of the gods that Laban had and hid it under the saddle of her donkey. You got it? And, and, and see, he was using sorcery to resist uh, Jacob's accumulation. You got it? And now I'm just saying this to you because there's a lot of things. I'm going to cover it as we're going down. There are a lot of things you, there's, there's, a, there's places you should have been by now. There's, there's things you should have had by now. Folks, if you look at the seven spirits, the Pezzarites, the Ivites, the Amorites, the, the Canaanites, so forth, there's seven spirits in all. Those seven spirits represent seven strong men. They represent a different kind of strong man. And the Perizzites represent a villager in Hebrew. It means to keep you with small thinking. A lot of people can't even think big because of the spirits that are causing them to think small. <clears throat> I was at a meeting and they were talking about Brother Oral Roberts and they were talking about him in terms of his, um, how he, you know, did things and so forth. Have you ever been to Oral Roberts University? Um, it is a real um, uh, eye-opener to see what God had, had given him. And it, it, he, he, Oral Roberts was this way. He, he had a sign in his office that said this, no small plans made here. 
No, no, pardon me. Make, make no little plans here. That's what the sign said. Make no little plans here. And this guy said that Dr. Roberts, uh, Brother Or Roberts, was so set in his thinking that if you sat beside him and start talking small, he would turn his head away and talk with somebody else. He, he wouldn't even allow small thinking to contaminate him at all. <laughs> Folks, if you've ever seen or you just look at it. Now, the hospital that they built on the university is sold now, but I want you to just look at that. If you go online, I'm sure they have it there. But how this hospital was built back, I want to say, in the early, late 70s, early 80s, whatever it was. But it was, I went in, it was state of the art. Now he did all of that through seed time and harvest. Uh, this is, I'm, I'm getting away. Let's, <clears throat> all right. Let's keep going. So, how long had Jacob worked? He worked about 20 years with nothing to show for it. Couldn't even take a decent vacation. (laughs) Really, how long have you been working at that job? Now, I'm I'm really pushing something off on you now because I'm kind of challenging you because there is an anointing that you have. And the Bible says in Deuteronomy 8.18 that he's giving you power to get wealth. Glory to God. Over in Proverbs chapter 10.22, he said, The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. So I'm only saying that there are places that we should have been by now that we are not. And the reason why we have not been there is because we have lacked knowledge. See, we've lacked knowledge. But now, God, with the, with the drought over, revelation is coming back again. And the Bible says over in Ecclesiastes, I want to say it's verse, uh, chapter 7 and verse 8. He talks about better is the end of a thing than the beginning. I think that's what it is. Better than the end of a thing than the beginning. So I'm just saying uh, that you're going to have a better end than you started with. And that the drought is over in your life. All right, let's just keep going. Now, we're talking about the anointing. Let's just look how this thing works. Now, David talked about anointed me with fresh oil. So let's go to 1 Samuel, if you will. And let's go to 1 Samuel. And let's look here at the anointing. Now in 1 Samuel and chapter 9. Now if you look 1 Samuel chapter 9 and let's look here at verse 1. Now there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish. Let's come down to verse 2. And he had a son whose name was Saul. A choice young man and goodly. 
a goodly. And there was not among the children of Israel a goodlier person than he. From his shoulders and upward, he was higher than any of the people. All right, now, let's take that same scripture and let's try it in another translation. I don't know whether you have a good news translation or a new, new living translation, something in the, you know, new English translation or something like that. Just throw it up there and let's just see uh, how it reads. That's verse two. Let's just see how it reads. Just something else. Praise God. All right. All right. He says, and he had a choice, uh, had a choice and handsome son whose name was Saul. And there was not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. So you could say tall, dark, and handsome. (laughs) Now, how did he get in the picture? He got in the picture because over in that same uh, book, In chapter 8, God wanted to lead the people. They said, no, we want to be like the other nations. See, the United States is not like other nations. We want to be like the other nations. We want a man. We want a man. So God said, okay, I'm going to give you one. And he picked Saul. Good looking, like me. Now, now, hey, don't hate. Don't hate, participate. So, so what happened is they picked Saul. Now, this was not God's choice. This was the people's choice. But look at 1 Samuel chapter 10. And verse 1, then Samuel took, ooh, forgot to turn over the clock, man. I did not turn over the clock, praise God. I forgot. Isaac, you got it? Okay, you got it. All right, praise God. (laughs) Then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him and said, it is not because the Lord has anointed, is it not because the Lord has anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance. Captain refers to a leader, refers to an influence, a head. And so now when the anointing comes on you, you become a captain. You become capable of leading people. You become capable of, of doing things and, and progressing and, and, and performing, outperforming others. Now, this same Saul turned out not to have success. Because if you go over to 1 Samuel chapter 15, this is when Saul disobeyed God. And he said, God said to him, verse 23 of 1 Samuel chapter 15, just stay with me. For rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft and stubbornness as iniquity and idolatry. 
Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Look at verse 24. And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words, because I what? Feared the people and what? Obeyed their voice. Fear. And sometimes people in the pulpit fear preaching what need to be preached. People fearing people. Now, notice what happened here. Now, he's going to lift the anointing off of Saul. Now, let me, let me show you what happened. When Saul was incapable, he knew he couldn't do this. Now, that anointing was precious to him. Because he knew he couldn't do it. Even though he was tall, dark, and handsome, stood head and shoulders above anybody else, he knew his frailty. And God anointed him. And the anointing is God's power on human flesh to do what only God can do. Got it? So God anointed him. But he turned out in the end to be as crazy as a Betsy bug. Y'all follow what I'm saying? See? Now I'm saying, women, don't pick a man because he look good. Because he could turn out to be just as crazy as a Betsy. Come on, I'm trying to help somebody now. This, this is not in my script, but this is what I'm led to say. You, you just running after somebody how they look. No, no, you need to, there's some things in the heart you need to check. Because you're not going to be with them for a day. You're going to be with these people the rest of your life. People try to marry people. I remember this guy. I said, man, you got to say he and I and so forth and so on. And I started the church in Minnesota. I was still working for IBM and computers at that time. I started the church and then he, you know, he was one of the members. And he said, hey, I met this girl so far. And the first thing I asked, I don't know why, I just did it out of the spirit, I guess. I said, is she saved? He said, well, no, but I'm, I'm going to bring her. I'm going to get her saved. I said, well, man, wait a minute. That's violating the scripture. I mean, I don't mind you bringing her to church, but that, that, that can't be your woman. Let me, let me come over here. That can't be your woman. See, that's how I done got quiet, see. <laughs> the Holy Ghost convicts. But my point to you is, is if you're married to somebody that's not saved, then you pray to get them saved. But don't run after somebody that's not saved. Why? Because you got Christ in you. Watch this. They got the devil in them. Well, they don't really act like they got devil. Hey, if they're not saved, they have the spirit of iniquity in them. Why? They're not born again. They have a a fallen Adamic spirit in them. That's just the way it is, folks. Jesus said in John 8, 44, your father is the devil. He meant it. Now, you save, you're different. You're supposed to get them saved. And God... Uh, on purpose plants the righteous among the wicked. Why? So we can get the wicked saved. Now this, this is, I'm going through all this. I didn't plan to say all of this, but I'm under the anointing. 
Say amen to this. But if you know somebody, sure, ooh, he, he sure is fine, ain't he? Well, okay, that, that's fine. But understand your limitations on that. See, the devil knows what you like. He'll parade somebody by you that, you know, all that. And you, whoo-wee. And he got a nice car and everything, you know, and you taking the bus. And so what I'm saying, well, well you know what I'm talking about. He, he got the thing. It, y'all see what I'm saying? Y'all see what I'm saying? He's after your anointing. Because without it, you can't do the work. And so, okay. So, here's Saul. And what happens is he goes against God. Now, the anointing is going to be taken off of him. And so now, with that, God looks for another. And so he sends the prophet Samuel, to the house of Jesse to find the next one that he's got to anoint to be king. But this one is going to be a man after God's own heart. And he's going to be God's choice, not the people's choice. When I met my wife, I met my wife, I was at IBM, and so where I was, now, I'd been out as a fighter pilot in the military, and I got out and got a job with IBM and so forth, and I did very well, and, and now I'm a manager, and I was going down to a fellow manager's office. He was walking with him, and I was going to his office, and I was, a lot of people were working in his unit and so forth, and one of the people was sitting right there, and I saw her, and I got in his office, and I said, who is that? <laughs> now, I wasn't looking for anybody. I wasn't looking for anybody, because... You know, you go through all these folk and you, things don't look like they look like this and turn out to be that and so forth. You say, hey, I ain't, I ain't, get out. And so what happened? He said, oh, that's, that's Veronica, man. You don't want to know her. She's too religious. I said, oh, I, I had just gotten saved. Okay. Now, what happens? <clears throat> I want to meet her because I'm like Jacob and Rachel. The bare white music being. <laughs> and so, what happened is I, I, he introduced us. So, I called and asked her, would she like to have lunch? And so forth, we did that and so forth, and got to know her. And then I went to this friend of mine. He's, he's Holy Ghost from head to toe. And, and I said, man, there is this woman that I have met. Her name is Veronica. He said, I said, what is it, man? He said, God is telling me to tell you, don't touch it. That's what he said. Now, I know what that meant. It meant don't try to make anything happen to get to know this woman. He said, God's going to put it together. So I said, okay. No, just after that, they offered me a promotion, another promotion, regional marketing manager to, uh, to Minneapolis. And he said, uh, Bill, this is a good promotion for you, so forth. And I said, okay, now, I'll be leaving town 
And um, <laughs> see what I'm doing? See what I'm doing? See, I'm trying to add to myself. You were never meant to add to yourself. God adds. That's the Hebrew word Joseph. And so what happened? I said, okay, got it. I moved on to Minneapolis. How God put that together, I have no idea. But we've been married almost 34 years. Watch this. And in love. Now when I say that, not just living together. But I'm telling you, so listen. I, God knows what you need. You, you follow what I'm saying? Now how did I get on this? But let's say, okay, let's, let's keep going. All right. So he comes to the house of Jesse. All right, let's pick up here and start reading at verse 7. This is chapter, uh, it's 1 Samuel chapter 7, chapter 16 and verse 7. But the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance or on the height of his statue. Just a minute. Or on the height of his statue. Try that over here. Or on the height of his statue. Or. He may not be 6'6", but he's my man. Praise God. Okay. You see how you got to read yourself in the Bible? Your name is in the paper. All right, look what he says. He says, for the Lord seeth not as a man seeth. For man looketh upon the outward appearance. But what does God look on? He looks on the heart. And then Jesse called Abinadab and made him to pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen him. And then Jesse made Shemaiah uh, to pass uh, by, and he said, neither has the Lord chosen it, uh, this. Again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. You know, one of them was probably first in his class in math. Another one just came from the health club. Another one, come on, come on, help me now. All these human qualifications. Now watch this. And Samuel said unto Jesse, uh, are there not, uh, is this all the children? And he said, well, there remain yet the youngest. Now behold, he's, he's out there keeping sheep. <laughs> Samuel said to Jesse, well, send and fetch him, for we will not sit down until he comes hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ready and with all of a beautiful countenance. And, and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, arise and anoint him. But this is he. How many of y'all know David was a musician? Now, nothing against musicians. I think they're wonderful. But they're weird. (laughs) 
Musicians can be some of the weirdest people. The weird way they dress, where they see things, so forth. Why? They're highly creative. So here's David coming in. Hey, 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 Prophet Samuel, hey, what's going on? What's going on? Give me something. Uh, He's a musician. He doesn't look like you would think he should look. And I think something has happened in our nation that something doesn't look like you think it should look. Because God can anoint a rock to cry out. Better hear what I'm saying. Are y'all with me here? So what happens? Anoint him. This is the one. And he anointed him. Look at verse 13. And Samuel took the oil of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and he went to Ramah. Not one feat did he do before that anointing. You never knew him. He was in obscurity. But once he got anointed, he got famous. He became a captain. Watch this. And nothing could defeat him. He came to the front line bringing his brothers some cheese and crackers. Now, I'm, can y'all mind if I put this in my own words? And then he found out that they were being taunted by this guy, Goliath. And he said to his brothers, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? that he's going to talk like that to God's people. They said, anyway, what am I going to get if I slay him? They said, well, you're going to get no taxes. That would have been enough for me right there. No taxes. You're going to get the king's daughter in marriage. And you're going to get some other benefits. So he said, let me have it. And then what happened is he went to the leader. This was Saul. Saul was still in place, but David now had the anointing. And he said here in verse 32, And David said unto Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, You're not able to fight again to fight against this Philistine, to fight with him. For thou art but a youth. Watch this. And he, a man of war from his youth. I want to let you know something. That when you're talking about the anointing, and the anointing does the work, the anointing can quicken your mind and your body. All right? Let's let's work with that for just a minute. Here's what David said, and he said this in Psalms. Chapter 144 and verse 1. He says, Blessed be the Lord, my strength, which teetheth my hands 
to war and my fingers to fight. Let's look at Jesus. He was anointed. And let's look at John chapter, Gospel of John chapter 7 and verse 14. Now about the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. And the Jews marveled, saying, how knoweth this man letters, never having learned? Let me say it this way. How does this man know so much, and he never went to our school? Well, in 1 John, in chapter 2, it lets us see how he knows so much. 1 John chapter 2, and reading at verse Verse 20. But you have an unction from the Holy One, and you are a know it all. Verse 27. But the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you, and you need not any man teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you of all things and is true and is no lie and even as it has taught you, you shall abide in him. David never went to their school. They've been trained in war from a little boy. But he says God prepares a table before me, come on, in the presence of my enemies. That anointing will teach you exactly how to handle that problem the moment it comes up. One of my members came to me this early part of our ministry and they said, Pastor, my boss would like to see you. He was a chairman of the board of a Fortune 500 company that was headquartered in Chicago. I said, what does he want to see me about? He wants to know what can he do for black male youth in Chicago. I said, okay. I said, when does he want to? He said, he'd like to see you right away. I go out to see him. I get out there. Bob, how you doing? You know, he said, Reverend, come on in, sit down. He said, I was uh, downtown Chicago. I was at a meeting and the chairman of, New- of, uh, of uh, Newsweek magazine came to me and asked me, what are you doing about black male youth in Chicago? And I told him, what do you mean? He said, well, you're headquartered here. You've got resources. What are you doing for them? And he said, I didn't have an answer for him, Reverend. And I came home and I shared it with my daughter. My daughter's a lawyer. And he said, she, she said, well, what are you doing for him? He said, Reverend, that thing has been bothering me. I want to know what can I do for them. I said, Bob, I don't know what you can do for them today, but in seven days I will know. I will be back. Why? Because I'm a know-it-all. You've you got to see that. See? See, if you don't say that, the Holy Ghost don't move on that. If David would have said, Goliath, two weeks from now, the Lord is going to deliver you into my hand. Is that what he said? No. He said, Goliath, this day. See, the Holy Ghost can't move. And he can't move past what you say. If you say you broke, he cannot move for you. Well, I am broke. No, you're not. You just can't see all your wealth. I came back in seven days. 
Now he gave me his phone number, his cell phone, everything, because he was really, this thing had bothered him. So I came back, and God showed me, put it up on eight and a half by 11 pieces of paper as a PowerPoint, and make seven pieces of paper and put it down progressively what you would do. And I did it, came back to him, went through one page, went through the second page, went to the third page, went to the fourth page. That's it, Reverend. That's it. He said, I've got $40,000 in the chairman's fund now. Can you take that? I said, no, no, no. I haven't got the bank account set up and so forth and so on. He said, Reverend, let's get this thing going and so forth. Why? Because God has already laid up sound wisdom for the righteous. There is an answer to every one of your problems right now waiting for you. This dear friend of mine, she's a um, PhD in um, physics. And um, she uh, shared with me what happened to her. She went to uh, Auburn University. She got a, uh, pardon me, Georgia Tech. And she got a scholarship there. That's where she got a PhD in, um, in uh, engineering and in physics. And so uh, she's African-American. And so she told me, she said, Pastor, I would pray in the spirit before an exam for 10 to 15 minutes. She said, I would go into those examinations and it's like the answer lit up. She said, I made perfect grades. Came out the top. She said, you know, she said, I couldn't tell anybody about it because they wouldn't understand it. Isn't that nice if you can go to class and know all things? How did this man know so much and he had never went through our school? Are you hearing what I'm saying? The anointing makes you a captain. Let's go back and see some of the other things the anointing does for you. First Samuel chapter 10. Are you with me so far? Say, I am anointed. One, if you look here at 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 1, it makes you a captain. Chapter, uh, verse 2, it says, the asses which were, uh, we went to seek are now found. The anointing is going to bring restoration. So whatever the devil has stolen in your life, the anointing will get it back. The next one, verse 3, and she'll go on forward. That means you're going to have supernatural progress from now on. You're going to grow exponentially. You're, see, you don't increase in the kingdom by time. You increase by truth. And so as truth comes in your life, watch your increase. Look what verse 4. And they will salute thee and give thee two loaves of bread, which thou shall receive of their hands. Now the anointing is going to bring you favor. Say favor. And how many of you know favor ain't fair? Glory to God. And then you go on down and it says you will prophesy. And then it says you will be turned into another man. And I can tell you that right now. I was brought up in Tuskegee, Alabama. And I go back there. Woo, woo. And I go back there. And I now preach. And, and they say, man. Because people tell them I'm a preacher. And they say, Bill Winston's not no preacher. I say, they say, why not? 
Oh, ain't, ain't, no, ain't nobody like that can preach. See, they knew me when I was stealing hubcaps. And they said, Scrooge Okay. Say another person. Okay. All right. Now, what am I saying to you? This anointing is on your life. All right, let's go to 2 Kings chapter 2. We're almost done. 2 Kings chapter 2. I'm going to need a few more minutes. 2 Kings chapter 2. Are you getting something out of this? Say, I am anointed of, of God. That anointing is on me now. Enabling me to do what only God can do. It's not me. It's the anointing of God. In me and on me. Right now. In Jesus' name. All right, this is when Elisha was following his mentor, uh, Elijah. So he's following him, and Elijah's telling Elisha, now they're both prophets, stay here. Elijah said, no, I'm not staying here. I'm going to follow you. And what happened is he knew that Elijah was going to be leaving. And Elijah asked him, verse 9 of chapter 2, and it came to pass when they were going over that Elijah said unto Elisha, ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let the double portion of your spirit be upon me. And he said, Lord, Lord, Lord. I'm putting that in there, but that's first Winston. Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I'm taken away from thee, it shall be so unto thee. So what happened? Here comes a chariot of fire from heaven, swept between them, took Elijah up. Now, that chariot took him alive. Now, you, you see people, you know, you talk about, hey, how are you doing? How did you get your, your grandmother doing? Oh, well, the Lord took her, you know. And you tell other people, well, the Lord took him. Well, Everybody that the Lord took in the Bible, he took alive. Okay, that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> you see, death was never really from God. God never planned for you to die. All right? I'm almost done. This is going to benefit you. All right? So what happened? Verse 12. And Elijah saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, his spiritual father, the chariot of Israel, and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and rent them into pieces. He took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him, and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him, and smote the waters and said, Where? is the Lord God of Elijah. And when he had also uh, smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over these waters. Now, what am I trying to say to you? Oral Roberts is gone. He's with the Lord. 
It wasn't Or Roberts. It was the anointing of God on Or Roberts. <laughs> Smith Wigglesworth is gone. It wasn't Smith. It was the anointing on Smith. I came to Chicago with $200. Now, all over the world, flying in our own jet, having business schools all over the world, is not Bill Winston. Better come over here. (laughs) I couldn't do that. It's the anointing on the man. Watch this. The same anointing you have on you. You should be famous for what you do right now. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm almost done. Just, just stay with me. So here's an interesting situation where you have over here, and this is where this Elisha was buried because he died in Elisha now, Second Kings chapter 13 and verse 20. And Elisha died and they buried him. And the band of the Moabites invaded the land at the coming of the year. And it came to pass as they were burying the man that behold, they spied a band of men and they cast the man into the sepulcher of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he got up and walked away. He revived and stood up on his feet. Now, what I said to you is that this anointing will quicken your mind. Say this with me. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. But also in Romans chapter 8, folks, I'm giving you all some precious now. I'm just about closed. And verse 11, but the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in me. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also, come on, quicken, come on, your what? Your mortal body. Now, what am I saying here? That your body was designed, glory to God, to repair itself. Now, this this, this is kind of powerful that I'm telling you now. This body was designed to repair itself. Now, now you know that because if you get a scratch and your normal health, it'll heal. See? And, and, And your body was designed that originally the anointing that is in you is powerful enough that if it can heal somebody outside of you, why can't it heal you? Now, I'm not talking about heal a scratch. I'm talking about create a new kidney. See, see, listen, because 
The church has not been operating here. We have got to go get a, another kind of, we got to go get a, you know, a artificial hip or artificial this. And I understand that. There's nothing against that. Thank God for doctors. They, doctors are anointed of God to heal. But the Bible says, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them anoint him with oil. Folks, everything in our body. Why? Because God is putting us as sheep among wolves in a world that's full of sickness, full of, full of disease, full of plague, full of everything, and he expects us to stay home. Now, what's going to do it? That anointing will preserve you. That anointing will heal you. That anointing will deliver you. They put the three Hebrews in the fiery furnace. Did it burn them? No. The anointing will protect you. The anointing will promote you. You name it. Now, why isn't it happening? Because of 3 John 2. Beloved, I wish or I pray that thou mayest prosper and be in hell, even as thy soul. David says, he restoreth my soul. Folks, you can have all the power in you that you want. But if your soul is not educated, it cannot get to your flesh. Say amen, somebody. He that raised up Christ Jesus from the dead shall also quicken my mortal body. You look that word quicken up, you bring it alive. Man, isn't this powerful? Yeah. Shh, folks, it's not supposed to be that we can't get older and, you know, we, well, you know, I'm getting old, can't hardly walk and all the cartilage is gone out of the joints and so forth. Uh-uh. It's repair time. Yeah. All right, let's go. <laughs> we got the devil where we want him now. So your soul wants to put your spirit in connection with your body. But if your soul is persecuted, if it is not educated, if it's not renewed, your mind is not renewed, it can't get out there. And God will not violate your will. Now you can call for somebody else to lay hands on you, but Jesus said, wait a minute, they said to Jesus, physician, heal yourself. But he couldn't. Why? Because it was his time now to give up the ghost. Watch this. And he said, I thirst. And I believe that right then there was nothing in him that would come out to be able to heal that. Because if that, that, see, he touched lepers and he knew he couldn't get hurt because that anointing was always pouring out, man. You couldn't get touched. Say amen, somebody. Last place. Isaiah 61. Glory to God. Y'all getting something out of this? Now I'm taking you pretty far down the road, but you can handle it. Because I know your pastor, he's been landing on you. See, I'm just, I'm coming here with some dessert. Say my mind and my body are quickened by the anointing that's in me. In Jesus' name. All right. 
This is that latter rain. Now in Joel chapter 2, I won't go back there. He said, in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit on how much flesh? All flesh. In the, in the first days, in the book of, in the Old Testament, he poured it out mainly on the prophet, the priest, and the king. And then he poured it out on other people for special purposes that he had. But in the last days, he is saying, I'm going to pour it out on how much flesh? That's every one of you. You have the same anointing I do, the same anointing Jesus has. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, the works that I do shall you do also and greater works. Get ready. We're going to see things where people are going to walk through the back door of the church. Watch this missing a limb, and by the time they get to their seat, the limb going to be grown back. Oh, jeez, what happened? I, see, I didn't get a lot of hand claps on that, but you ought to say, thank you, Jesus. All right. I'm going to read this, and then we'll close out. Verse 1. Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because he has what? Anointed me. Now, who read this? No, no, no. In the New Testament, who read this? Who read from this place in the New Testament? Jesus did. Remember I read it when we first started out? All right. He read from right here now. To preach good tidings to the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and, uh, and, to, uh, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. God, to opening up the prison to them that are bound. Uh, just a minute, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, uh, prison. Wait, 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 wait. To bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Watch this. And to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book. Why? Because that was the end of his ministry. That was the end of it. That was what he was supposed to do. Got it? They started persecuting him. He went to another city. There's some things that I'm just saying that, that, that Jesus was limited by what he read because that was his ministry. He closed the book. Now, the book is being reopened. And when? For the latter rain. The first rain is for breaking up the soil and it's for gathering. The latter rain is for beautifying. It's going to finish the rest of this. Let's look at the rest of it. He said in verse 2, the second part, and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all that mourn. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion. To give unto them beauty for ashes. All of joyful mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they might be called trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord. That he might be glorified. Watch the next verse. And they shall build. Oh, waste places. Jesus didn't build one school. He didn't build one synagogue, he didn't, no, no. Why? That wasn't his ministry. After he left, there's another one who came down to start his ministry called the Holy Ghost. 
and the Holy Ghost is coming on the church that the church is going to build. Praise God. Look what it says in verse 4. And they shall build, O waste, and they shall raise up former desolations, and they shall repair what? Waste cities and desolations of many generations, and strangers shall stand and feed your flocks. Folks, the drought is over. And you are about to experience the finest days of the church. This is not the last days. This is the last of the last. This is when you, things are going to happen that are just, I mean, if you told somebody, they said, I don't believe that. So I'm saying to you now, vengeance. Now, what does vengeance mean? Because some people think it means revenge. It does not mean revenge. Vengeance is simply having to do with justice. It has nothing to do with uh, some kind of emotional resentment or some kind of retaliation, but is a necessity of punishing offenders proceeding from a heart of love and justice. It's his necessity for punishing offenders proceeding from a heart of love and justice. Look what the Lord said in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 30. For we know him that has said, vengeance belongs to me and I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. What is recompense? Recompense means to compensate. It means to pay damages. It means to return equivalent for anything that's done to you or suffered by you. It means to make amends. If you look at Genesis chapter 20, you will see where now Abraham and his wife Sarah are down here and by the Philistine country. Verse verse 2. And Abraham, Genesis chapter 20, said that Sarah is his wife. She is my sister. Said his wife is his sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. Oh, Lord. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night, and he said to him, You are but a dead man. For the woman that you have taken... She is another man's wife. Now what happened here? Abraham has a destiny. And anything in the latter reign blocking you from your destiny, God's going to deal with it. It doesn't make any difference who it is. Now here's Abimelech and he did this thing harmlessly. But he took something that belonged To his man. And when he did that, he came in his house and God came to Abimelech in a dream. God's making it so you don't have to fight your battle. For the battle no longer is yours. But the battle, come on, is is God's. So what did he do? He said, you're but a dead man. And he woke up in a sweat. And he called Abraham and he said, Lord, wait a minute. He told me that was his sister. Verse 7. Now therefore restore the man his wife and 
He is a prophet and he shall pray for thee and thou shall live. And if thou restore her not, know thou that thou shall surely what? Die. You and all your house. Now this is something because right there people say, wait a minute. Now God ain't killing people here. Whoa. Look at Ezekiel chapter 33 and verse 11. Say unto them, as I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from their way and live. You see, God is not out killing folk. But if they don't let you go, if they don't let your kids go, if they don't, come on, you got to hear what I'm saying. That is the anointing of the latter rain. Now, any anointing works based on faith. So as I preach this to you, faith cometh by hearing. You see, each one of us has been held up by spirits. And the Spirit's been using people, but God is going to put the fear of God. Folks, he said, Moses, tell Pharaoh to let my people go. He went down there, Pharaoh said, who are you? Who do you think you are? And what happened? Then next thing, a plague came. And Moses came back to him again. I said, God said, let my people go. Now, why didn't he kill Moses? He couldn't. He couldn't even think that. God is a heart fixer and a mind regulator. You got to hear what I'm saying, man. When God tells them to promote you, they got to promote you. In this, this is the key. Moses set them free by the vengeance of God. But not only did he do that, he said, let them go. No, play come. Let them go. No, play come. Let them go. No, play come. Now, what happened next? <clears throat> they, he wouldn't let them go, but he finally let them go. But he made one mistake. What was it? He went after them, didn't he? For that reason, he was removed from the earth. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. If they don't let you go, God is not in the business of killing people, but that they turn from their wicked way and live. Your business shall prosper. Your ministry shall prosper. Your family shall prosper. But not only did he set them free, he gave them recompense. He made the devil pay for 400 years, come on saints, of slavery. I, listen, now, I'm not, I'm, this, this is biblical. See, it, 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 this is biblical now. This is recompense that I'm talking about. But what happened 
was God had Satan who take, took from people to give it back to the people. Now, I'm talking about God's people now. Say amen to that. So what happened? They left that place and they had spoil, glory to God, over in Genesis, over in Exodus chapter 14. Glory to God, help me, Holy Ghost. And he said this. Now, give me two more minutes, I'm out. And look what he said in Exodus chapter 12. Can you get it? And verse 35, he says this. He said, and the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses, and they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment and clothing. And the Lord gave the people what? What? Say favor, not fair. See, when God gives you favor, he's going to make something happen in a way that you don't have to tell any man thank you. Folks, if you got a ministry, God will open up buildings for you. Come on, if you got, see, you got to believe in this, man. He never intended for you to do it yourself. You ain't got to have all the language, all the nice things to say to hope somebody like you. When God wakes them up at night, they'll tell them, you give him that. You give her that. This is where we going now. But it's got to be preached before we go there. How will they hear without a preacher? And how can he preach except he be sent? Your pastor sent for me. And I'm here to tell you, you are coming. Acts chapter 13. In Acts chapter 13, here's a man standing in the way of the gospel. And I'll start reading here at verse 6. And when they had gone through the Isle of Patmos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bar-Jesus, which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul. He desired to hear the word of God. But Elymas... The sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, which stood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Then Saul, who also was called Paul, filled, filled, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, Oh, full of all subtlety, all mischief, you child of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness. Will thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. What am I telling you? That one of the main jobs in the whole of, of the Holy Ghost in these last days is protection of God's people. And to deal with anything or anyone that's causing you to be hindered from reaching your destiny. So I came to announce to you today 
that everything prepared for you must be released now. And whatever God has planned for your life and that the enemy has been holding back, you are breaking forth tonight. Whatever has begun, been resisting God's plan for your life shall be stopped starting today. Whatever's been holding you down, got to let you go. Whatever's been holding you back is going to have to release you. Whatever's been tampering with your destiny and God, whatever's been afflicting you, humiliating you, what's been against your peace, your progress, your career, your business, your job, your ministry, your children, I command to let you go now. Now give God praise. Now, say this with me. Father, I thank you that I am anointed. That the Spirit of the Lord is on me now. That whatever's been standing in my way, whatever's been robbing me of my destiny, is going to let me go now. And whatever's been stolen is going to be repaid seven times starting tonight in the name of Jesus. Let me say this. If the devil knows that you believe this and this anointing is loose in your life, that every time he humiliates you, he got to pay something. Folks, eventually you will be too expensive to deal with. Say amen. You just take this teaching and believe it. Your life will explode in abundance, in revelations, in prosperity or in promotion. And you'll become that influence that Jesus talked about. Let your light so shine among men. they may see your good works and glorify your Father. I'd like to do a couple of things, if you will. And I'd like no one to leave. Take your seats, please. If you have an emergency, I understand. I want to do something. I want to tell you what happened to me. 
I'd come out of the military as a hotshot fighter pilot, decorated from Vietnam. I went to work for IBM. They hired me, went through training for a year, did very well. But then they put me on quota, so I have to sell something to make up my salary because they cut my salary in half. But there was one problem. <laughs> Nothing would sell. First month, nothing. Second month, nothing. Now I'm beginning to lose something that was valuable to me called confidence. And I, one night, because I was so worried about how to take care of my family, my stomach started having problems, so I got Pepto-Bismol and Maalox and drinking it all day. I went to the doctor. She said, son, it's just something you're going to have to live with. She said, are you under a lot of pressure? And then the relationship started breaking up because I'm, I'm angry. And then one night I put my head on the pillow in my apartment downtown by myself. And I said, tears began to roll down my, my eyes. I said, Lord, would you please help me? Whew. I didn't know much about the Bible because I was in church when I was a little boy, but church was never in me. And once I cried out, the Bible says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. When I called on him, about three or four days later, a lady who worked for the company back in word processing, she saw me, she said, hey, Bill, you want to go with me tonight? Well, I was single. She was single. She looked good. I said, yeah. She took me all right. I picked her up, went up to the north side of Chicago, pulled up in a schoolyard, pulled up, went in the back door of an auditorium. People were raising their hands up, praising God. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. And a guy apparently knew her. He saw her and then saw me, and something must have come over him. He came and hugged me. He said, God loves you, brother. I don't know why, but my mind went all the way back to my childhood. I have never heard my parents say, I love you, William. Never. You see, all of us need love. We were made from love. And when he did that, I just melted. And that night I received Jesus. Man of God laid hands on me. Power of God hit me all of a sudden. I got up and I knew that I was healed. Went back to the doctor. The doctor said, my God, this thing is cleared up. God spoke to me. I went by a little church on my knees and God spoke to me. 
just like you're sitting in here right now, and I'm in there between services. It's a Catholic church. I wasn't Catholic. I was Baptist, but I was in a Catholic church between their services and kneeling down, and God spoke to me. Here's what he said. Don't worry, William. Everything will be all right. And when he said that one word from God, turned my life all the way around. I became number one salesman downtown in Chicago. And I'm telling you, everything took off. Relationships got mended. Everything. I'm saying there's somebody in here. You might not have known you were coming for this. But God is wanting to whisper in your ear and let you know everything is going to be all right. Now, I don't know who you are, but I'd like to pray for you the same prayer. That man prayed for me to be saved because that's the first step. See, I was pretending. And we pretend a whole lot, especially men, because we got that man thing, you know. But when you get before Jesus, everybody got to bow. Everybody got to bow. So tonight... I didn't tell pastor I was going to do this, but the Lord has just lead me. So if you're here and you say, I need to be saved. God is missing from my life. Oh, I've been in church, but church has really never been in me. I need to know that if I leave this earth, I'm going to be with him. I need to know that, pastor. Well, that's part of what I came for. I came to give you what I got. That night saved my life. Tonight, we're going to save yours. Now, here's what I want you to do. Put your pride in your pocket. I want to pray for you what they prayed for me that night and bring you from darkness to light. I'm going to bring you out of bondage to the world and get you set free. So if you're here, I'm not asking you to join this church. You can do that if you'd like to tonight. Or if you'd like to go somewhere else, they'll send you there. But tonight, I came to bring you into the kingdom. So whoever it is, now don't play games, whoever it is, and you know that that's you that I'm talking to. Let me pray for you right now. Here's what I want you to do. Watch this. Take a step of faith. The Bible says, by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. So whoever that is, right now, unashamedly, I want you to take a step of faith. Get up out of your chair. Stand with me right here. Come on. Whoever it is, whoever it is, stand with me right here. Come on, get up. Get up. Stand with me right here. Stand with me right here, right in the front. Come on down, come on down. Come on, don't be ashamed of him. Don't be ashamed of him. Don't be ashamed of him. He's not ashamed of you. Come just like you are. Come on, don't put it off. Don't put it off. He's here in the house.